what motivates me with a lot of my training and just the way that I live my life is I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. And like, I love that. Like the only way to get that in our sport is to be in that moment of doing something new, not sure if you're going to blow up, not sure, you know, racing somebody you haven't raced before. And I realized that I can't get that in training hardly ever. Just do so much training. It's so normal. It's so controlled. It's so regular that you just don't end up in that situation. I was thinking, you know what? This is like, this is my chance to get my fix is when I'm going into this race and here I am kind of dreading it, but like really I'm just in the crappy time right now before getting that fix. And it's going to be so good when it comes because I don't know what's going to happen in this race. I don't know if I'm going to blow up. I'm just going to go out there and this is the time to like really enjoy the thing that brings me the most joy in life and being on the limit. I don't know if it's cliche, but it really comes down to your mindset. And whether you believe you can or believe you can't, they're both true. So I choose to believe I can. And in those instances where we were doing those hill, like the hills and then the pier, because that pier, when you came up on that pier and then you had to turn around and go even up because it was a false flat up to the top there to that Red Bull tent uh, arch. Like there were a lot of people who got to the top of that and then were like slowing down because yeah. they just want to recover. But I, I really purposely remember in that moment of pushing forward. Like even though I'm out of breath, I'm gonna push through this stretch here under the Red Bull tent because I know we're gonna be going down that other side. Um, I'm getting chills here. Because I just, I clearly remember that moment and it was a, it's a, it's a mindset shift. It's a shift of, of not stopping, of not relenting, of not recovering because there's still much more work to do. Welcome back to the show, you guys. This is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host, and this is episode 101. We are cruising on the Pacific Coast Highway with this episode today. Possibly more significant than episode 100, says our guest today, Eric Lagerstrom and Brian Gumkowski. I've got them both here. Uh, two Oceanside 70.3 finishers, dominators, competitors, and so we're going to get the pro perspective, we're going to get the experienced age group perspective, and we're going to do what we love to do so much after a race, smack it down. Eric, you kicked ass at your first 70.3, you mean you've been a triathlete for a long time on the ITU circuit, and you came in, placed fourth, and not only like placed fourth, but like in, in a field of legends, like that field was stacked. It was crazy, yeah. I um, that, that was a big reason that I wanted to do this race is because I knew it would get me excited and really make for, I don't know, a good off season of training and really let me know if I was actually gonna be any good at 70.3. And um, I, did, I mean, it didn't disappoint. Um, in the pro meeting, I think, you know, Jan spoke up at one point and requested a buoy in a certain spot and you could just tell it was the Jan show. And I was, I won't lie, I'm pretty starstruck. I've watched that guy all the way through, you know, growing up and I've always been a big triathlon fan. So uh, just being in the same room and then on the same race course was pretty incredible. It's so cool. And that's one thing I love about triathlon is that, you know, we're all out there. We're all experiencing the same course at the same time it's at some point we are all on that course together like we're yeah. in we're in that energy of these you know legendary athletes and just incredible uh power that the pro field brings and uh, and then these top age groupers are like insane like this every man jack, jack team, team is, 
is like I don't know mm. if you've seen those guys, but they are like I mean I've heard of them and seen the kits and stuff. Yeah. Oh my god, they're just like that. That team is is so just dialed yeah, in. They, they're <clears> super Santa fun Rosa, to watch. They were just passing me one by one, just like just cruising, <laughs> like super comp, just chilling. Just wow. Running. Yeah, they were just they were just so solid. And then um, there was a bunch of them out there on Saturday. They were super super fast i just like there's another one and there's another one yeah and there's another one yeah but they're, I, they're an elite age group team basically yeah I, I had a little bit of a time passing a couple of them in the in the last 5k of the race so they were they were rolling for sure but that, i mean i'm always so impressed by people who are able to do that to have uh you know triathlon still be their hobby technically and not the thing paying the bills and to be that good at it while they're waking up at 4 a.m and have a kid and a family and everything it's a lot of respect for that. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them working full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it I love it cuz it's like there's no excuses, right? Which is what what got me to my first Ironman was I was at Cordelaine and I was standing next to this uh, older couple and we just started talking cuz that's what you do. Like there's just there's no mm-hmm. dividers. You just it's just one big family coming together. And their son had been in a motorcycle accident 8 months before and they said that he wasn't going to make it through the night. Wow. And here he was, he had lost a limb and had one of his legs. And here he was out there that day um, doing Ironman. This was 2008. And I was like, oh, like, I got to do it. Like, I can't like that. I have no excuse. And then, of course, seeing like the challenge athletes going by or, you know, the blind athletes or, you know, people that they can't hear, or they don't have a limb. And it's like, oh, my God, there's just no there's no excuse. We can all do what we put our minds to no matter you know, if we have to work a full-time job or we're like, um, don't know how we're going to get the registration money, just set your mind on what it is and stay focused. And just like the, um, I think that the pro level has, you know, um, has just exceedingly up-leveled, you know, and now you guys coming from ITU are totally changing the game. The age grouper game is totally changing too. I mean, like with teams like this Everyman Jack coming in, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it gets more and more competitive and it's just more and more people believing in themselves. And I think that that is an incredible thing for our world is I think even if you're never feel like you're ever going to do, you know, a triathlon, go and volunteer at one and or spectate at one and just see, you know, um, it's just so amazing what is what is possible from the the human spirit. Yeah, yeah, I think you you nailed it by saying you know the energy of the race, and that was something that really hit home with me, specifically with Oceanside, and brought me back to like the very first triathlon that I did back in you know two thousand one, and it's that energy that's at the race and the you know the community and everything that uh, it's so contagious. And if you go and watch one, you're going to want to do it yourself, and you don't even know why necessarily. And um, it, I think it, it keeps so many people coming back. And uh, I don't know. It, for me, I, it, like, it fuels me a lot. Oh, yeah, it's huge. That it's, I, you know, still on a high multiple days later and can't wait to go to the next one. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's a really powerful thing. I don't know if every sport has that. I don't know. Um, BJ, what keeps bringing you back? You've been in the sport for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is... I mean, and, and at this distance, half and full Ironman, mostly full mostly Ironman. Mostly full. I think we counted how many halves. And I've not, done more halves, and I've have. done more marathons. <laughs> right. And, and spent a hell of a lot more time on the course than you have. <laughs> but what keeps bringing you back? I, 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 have, I have a goal that I, that I want to achieve, 
and each race keeps me discovering more about myself and, and realizing how bad I want this goal. Because there's times where I'm just gonna, in, in my mind, there's times that I wanna stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I do, there's a, there's a switch now that just flicks on and it's like, no, you, you gotta keep going. Like there's something that's keeping me going. I'm not finished yet. Mm-hmm. And that's in my mind, even Saturday's race wasn't, wasn't ideally how I would want it to be. I still pulled so much out of it. And for that, that makes me a better uh, athlete, makes me a better coach, makes me a better person because yeah. I, I dig deep in these races. Like I'll, I'll, I've been going to the point of like, okay, why am I easing up? Like now surge forward. Like why am I trying to take it easy around the buoy? Like no, sur- like surge around the buoy. Like you're, you, you know you can finish these races now. Yeah. Now it's time to like elevate. Yeah. So for me, it, there's this drive to just keep pushing myself to do better. Where does that drive come from? Oh, you always go deep. Um, <laughs> it's the pushing. We wrapped it up so well, and then it's like one. God, no, this is like the boring then, Today Show. And then, right? And then, and then, was that, like, that dude? Dude, where yeah. And then I'm like that person in the takeout that yeah, you want to kill. I know. And then, and, and no, and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I dig deep. How do you dig deep? So how, yeah, yeah so where does it come from? Where does from? it come from? Where do you feel it? I feel it from, I, it goes back to that high school injury that took me out of basketball for a season and a half. It's always coming back to that. And it's realizing that um, I have more in me than, than what, I've, what I've put out, basically. Yeah. That's so cool. I yeah. love that. Because back then, for listeners that don't know that story, you had something taken away from you that you love. Yep. And right now, the thing that you love is this sport, and you have the opportunity to keep going with it. So you're able to to still be like side by side with that thing that you love and go deeper and deeper and up, yeah, even up to the level. Even to the point of I've gotten away from doing those little things that I should be doing to keep like the lower back pain away and to keep... IT band syndrome away. Like those little things I've just, once they're good, and I don't know, you guys are probably so dialed in to this, but like you just forget it. Like you get back into training. You're like, no, no, come yeah. back to the things that have got you here. Yep. Healthy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's dive into Saturday. So here you are, like it's your first one. So you're in the total land of the unknown, right? Obviously, you know, swim, bike, run, you've been doing it. You know, ITU, yeah. you're dialed in like, we were actually listening to your podcast that we did with you back in, I think it was like November or something like that or around there um, of yeah. last year, which is such a good podcast. So if anybody hasn't listened to that one, <laughs> listen to it. It's awesome. It's yeah, it's podcast 76. Um, but here you are going into the unknown. So how were you, what was your mindset going into this race? How did, did you notice any differences or shifts um, from going into ITU, like an ITU race, which you know so well. Um, yes, yes, and no. Um, th- this is for sure. I, in my mind, this was going to be way less, way lower stress. And in the weeks leading up to the race, I felt much lower stress and more of an just an excitement of how well it could go. You know, because even with this race, you know, everybody says, "Oh, it's such a stacked field. There's so many guys, or whatever." And I was like, "Well, you know, I looked down the start list, and I, I recognize." 
10 names, you know, um, versus an ITU race you dive in with 60 names that you know who all could beat you, and it's just ferocious racing from the gun, and if you make one mess up at the first buoy, you could might as well stop racing because you're so far back, that kind of thing. So this seemed pretty mellow, but still, you know, two days, one day before the race, you know, being at the pro briefing, still just all of that anxiety came flooding back and everything and you know i i've i spent a little bit of time trying to figure out like why exactly that is and i think you know my biggest fear of racing is that i'm going to go out there and i'm just going to feel terrible and i'm going to not be in the zone i'm just going to be trying to go fast and and it's just like nothing's working my body's not cooperating and try to decide you know if that was like if that's really a realistic fear in any way because all my training has been great. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know, is kind of the space I was in. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew that I had prepared, you know, absolutely the best that I that I could. And as long as I went out and paced and every with paced properly and kind of practiced the things that I'd been, you know, the the game plan that me and my coach had set out that you know, it it was like not going to feel terrible. I I might not get I might not win, but I think I came to peace with that of just go out, execute my race, do what I can do, see where I land and be okay with that as long as I was, you know, putting in the effort and, and everything. So so how did it go? How did you feel race morning? I, I felt good. Uh, being that it was a new event and everything and that I'm not in the habit of it and then I was really felt like I needed to nail my nutrition and, and nail all these things and be on so I didn't make any mistakes. I was more turned on and tuned in to my process than I have been in years just in and you know it's like every little thing like I wanted to make sure that the, the tires of my bike were perfect didn't have a single scratch I wanted to make sure that I had a backup plan for this and a backup plan for that and my watch was perfectly charged and all of this like all these things that I would you know historically have been like oh, I'm sure it's fine you know which w- I mean is it is very cool. It's a very cool feeling. So to, and that's when I've when I typically race best is when I'm just from process to process, next step, next step, next step, and before you know it, you're walking into the water, and you still have to you go execute your warm up. Before you know it, the gun goes off, and to me, that's like the relief. You know, it is you all the waiting of taper week and all the processes that you just kind of have to go through and the stress you have to endure and everything. As soon as the gun goes off, it's completely over. It's all better. It's like that's the relief. You know. It is the relief. It's like mm-hmm. when you're waiting for the gun go off, to go off, and we talked about this in your last um, in your last podcast. Is there's so much energy, there's so much energy around you, and and we were even talking before the mic mics turned on about you know finding this this balance between like you know there's a lot of energy within you, but also this calmness so that you're not falling into that anxiety and and um, and things like that. So. Um, so how was the the pace of the swim once the gun went off? So because you guys you swam out and you guys had a deep water start, which was different yep. from age group. Yeah, yeah, we we rolled in. Oh, you guys started deep water. Yeah, yeah, like all in a line between two buoys. Don't creep up, you know, theoretically. Yeah, <laughs> so, and you're not used to that because in ITU no, it's like pfft. I think deep water starts is the dumbest thing ever because you're just <laughs> starting from stop starting from stop and it's completely dependent on everybody's desire to actually do the right thing and not creep up between the two buoys and inevitably everybody does and it's just like, you know it's i think it's stupid yeah but whatever that's all right i like I'd your ra- i like you sharing your much perspective. rather dive into the water yeah whether from the beach or from a dock or from anything so yeah just dive right in it's clean I like- it's clean everybody has to not dive in mm-hmm. until the gun goes off <laughs> i like that yeah because you see like the start of kona 
and there's they're constantly like get back get back well the, the yeah the people are on the surfboards there mm-hmm. in the front but even when they turn to the side like people are still like yeah creeping up yeah yeah like that one that one meter is going to make the difference in a right. flipping 12 hour race right Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how is the how was that pace how was that experience compared to, you know, what you're used to? Um I I'd say it it was, you know, just dialed back one gear, you know. So you're probably pretty comfortable. I I would I would say it felt comfortable and the most comfortable part of it was that I, I didn't get touched by anybody throughout the entire swim, you know, in an ITU race we'll dive in and I'm swimming at 11 out of 10 and just getting pummeled from both sides. You're kind of pinballing off of people as the packs are trying to sort themselves out and everything. And this, I was swimming pretty fast, but instantly there was nobody around me. I had clean water. I looked over and saw Ferdeno and just made my way to the first buoy and got on his feet there. And it was, it was incredible. So the pace was high and it was, it was hard, but it wasn't the rugby match that it normally is. So I saw you guys coming in and I figured it was Jan and I was hoping it was you because I didn't know what your wet. I was like, Sh- I should have gotten a sweatsuit. But I was thinking like, this has got to be, this is a very, very good chance that's Eric. And, um, and so you guys were swimming. I probably caught you at like the second buoy after you took the turn. And I don't know if you saw this at all, but there was a huge harbor seal that was like nope. right in front of you guys, <laughs> right in front of you guys, like from me to you. And then right, like, and Jan was just a little, like, you guys were neck and neck. You were right, you were right in that zone with him. And just as, like, he literally was about to reach out and touch it, it kind of ducked under. It was, everybody who was watching was like, oh my God, look at this. They're going to run right into it. It was so cool. That's Um, crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, they had to, they had to have seen it, but it probably ducked under and you couldn't see much, but it was massive. It was, you know. You can only see it the the turnaround. It got kind of shallow a little bit. Like before that first buoy to turn. But other yeah. than that, I couldn't see anything down below. No. Yeah, so then you guys came in and I heard Mike Riley like, you know, first out of the we got two we got two of our pros coming in. We got mm-hmm. Jan, we got Eric Lagerstrom. And I'm in the bathroom and I'm like, no, because I just wanted to like <laughs> scream and cheer. So I'm in like the stall, like, you know, trying to blow my nose and whatever. Yep. And I'm like <laughs> cheering for you in the bathroom stall. And I was so disappointed because I was like, they're going to be so fast in transition. There's no way I'm going to catch him coming out of there. So I really ran and ran and ran but you were already out of transition it was just it was so exciting to have like you were just right right there oh and i just i could feel like oh this is gonna be a great day it was it was a cool it was a perfect start to the race for sure couldn't have planned it couldn't have had it any better yeah you were four seconds behind oh yeah he was right there yeah Yeah. i I was just on his feet the whole way and then i think he ran out of the water a little quicker whatever so yeah, I mean, I wasn't about it. to like try to swim around him or even touch him in the water. You know, I didn't like this. this yeah, is, like I'm what's gonna, that for? I'm not gonna piss this guy off or anything. <laughs> like, I'm just really happy to be here right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I like that. There's patience in that. Yeah. And I think that patience is a is a big thing for this when you start getting into these longer distances. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. We know you probably could have gone in front of him, but what? Who's that for? What's that for? Yeah. You know, you end? were in a perfect position right there. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm gonna throw it over to BJ. Beach, how did you feel that morning? I felt I felt really good. You did? I felt really good, yeah. Are you sure about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was not spry. You were I felt I like you were tired. I, I was tired. My face was like um I don't know, it was like that 
like fatigued face like everything was just mm -hmm. like kind of down what did you what did you do before the race that you wouldn't do again we volunteered at the information booth for two straight days um like oh that would give me fatigue face giving, yeah <laughs> giving a lot of ourselves giving a lot of information talking 90 percent about the swim course to people yeah and the swim change basically answering three, three questions questions to three thousand people over the course of you know two days it was it was a lot it was a lot but but i love that stuff like i love yeah. interacting with people and and not, it's not an excuse i just i just wasn't snappy i just didn't have that snap <clears throat> and so i even tried to run around the transition zone a little bit like to just get warm up warmed mm -hmm. up and shake things out um and then walk down the long shoe and got into the line for my time and uh this is a good thing. So when we when we were lining up, the group there was only one group ahead of us. They got to do their practice swim and then line up, and then they started going in. So the practice swim people were coming into their line and going through the little gates because there were five gates for us. Okay. Yeah. To release, and then our our group was just waiting, waiting there, and they were telling us that eventually we'll be able to get into the water and do a warm up swim because I'm I'm pretty particular about doing that. I think it's so important, especially with the cold water. I want to get my face in there. And the time never came, and they were starting to call our group over to the, the uh, channels uh, to get into the corrals. And so right then I just made a decision, I'm just gonna go into practice swim. Like our group is long enough, I'll be able to get into it. So I went and practice swim, did, did, I don't know, three or four minutes, just really some hard efforts, blow it out. And then I just got right into line and got into the water. And then I felt it was, a, that changed everything. Cause then I was just like, okay, now I'm calm. Mm -hmm. I've blown it out a little bit. It's really not that cold. I don't know what you thought, but it wasn't that cold I didn't from think what they were predicting. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. No. It yeah. was it was it was a little colder a couple of days before and Yeah, and especially I on think. the ocean side if you were yeah. doing any doing any of the surf stuff. But yeah. I had a pretty clean swim too. Um and I think on the return return route, just we had the sun in our eyes. I don't know if you guys did. Not too bad. It hadn't come up. But ours was like it was like right there. I couldn't see any buoys, but there's that white tall building. Oh, yeah. So I just kept sighting for the tall building, sighting for the tall building. And it was a pretty uneventful swim, I must say. Like, I had clean water pretty much the whole time. And I and I, I just, again, it, I can't stress how important it is to, to be able to breathe to both sides. Like, not have the sun dictate <laughs> what your performance is. I think it's important to be able to have that skill. Well, and that's one thing. Yeah. People were coming up to the information booth, and they were like, what what's going on with the sun i'm like um the, I, I don't know like the earth is still rotating so the sun is most definitely going to be Up. showing itself <laughs> and and like and we were saying like buoy, you know buoys are going to be on your left and they were like no they're not going to be on our right well i only breathe to the left and it's or i only breathe yeah. to the right and i'm like well I mean, I don't know what to tell you other than when you get back to training you should definitely try breathing to both sides yeah. because it's in the simplest if in i the was simplest, your coach yeah in the, <laughs> in the simplest form like it's gonna make you a more balanced swimmer yeah you can't just right. swim. so so these are the kind of questions that we were fielding and and it's not that these questions are unworthy they're very important to those people but this is this is why i think what we do bj is so important because there's so much of like being in the future of like what's the current going to be and how big are the waves going to be and we're like well, it's thursday you know like saturday doesn't even exist it doesn't even exist it's only a concept right now so on saturday you'll find out 
I, I like that. I like that method for sure. Just, you know what a triathlon is. You you trained for swimming, right? If, if I told you that the sun was going to come up and be in your eyes, are you going to not do the race? So, like, what does it matter? I know. What's going on with the sun? I'm like, yeah. hopefully, if all goes well, we're going to see yeah. it. Like, Probably in... don't wear clear goggles, but that's about yes. all you can do. Right. Right. I know. It's just not getting you guys, just not, just, I say this in yoga all the time, like, just be where you are, not where you're going. Yeah. Prepare yeah. for where you're going. Like, like envision where you're going, embody where you're going, but don't live where you're going. Live yeah. right where you are. Yeah. That's that's a powerful place to, to live. All right. So Eric, back to you on the bike. What'd you think about the bike course? I thought it was awesome. I I hope I know they aren't, but I hope and wish every seventy point three bike course was like that. Totally rolling, beautiful, you know, lots of turns and everything. It wasn't the just sit on a highway and go back and forth on a flat road. So it, you know, as, as far as an equivalent type of course to, you know, the Olympic non-draft that I've done, it, it was, you know, a toned-down version of Alcatraz or, like, the Beijing International Race where I've done well. It's just varied terrain. You have to be good at climbing, but it's not all about climbing. You have to – there's a lot of flat sections where you just have to keep the power on. And, and so I loved it. I thought it was great. I heard it was beautiful, like, back there on the base where we can never get to. But you right. were saying it was gorgeous. And it I- is. Yeah, and especially um, just with all the rain that we've had lately, it was so green and, and lush and, and stuff. So I, dis- I did actually take a couple moments and realize how, how nice it was out there. It wasn't all business. So. I like that. That's gratitude. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, I mean, I was riding by myself, so I didn't have to worry too much about drafting or anything at that point in time while I was out there by myself. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, I've heard a lot of my fellow pros be like, oh, it sucked. I was out there completely by myself the whole day, which I'm sure can be you know not fun at times but i kind of liked it i thought it was peaceful and nice like i said you know said relative to the chaos of some other races that i do so i think that's what was something that i love so much about long course racing is that you get time with yourself mm-hmm. you get time with yourself in in intensity right like keeping the power up and things like that um what was i just gonna say oh so when you when after you started the swim bj i had to get some training in so i ran home uh, took care of Clark, and then I came home, and I was checking. And so at that point, you were in sixth on the bike, right? So I'm pretty sure. So some people okay. have passed yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, so this is what I was wondering in that moment, just your mindset of now the day is longer, right? You know you've got time. You know your training's on point. What's going through your mind is like some of these guys are passing you and are like you're seeing who's passed, like Lionel Sanders has passed, you know, has passed you. And so where's your mindset of like, where's your mindset? I don't want to put any words in your mouth. Yeah, um, I, I had pretty well prepared myself for that. And I had a lot of conversations with my coach about, uh, you know, pacing this properly. And I've, you know, know a lot of people who've done their first 70.3 and it just went terrible and their second one terrible and they blew up and they messed up their nutrition and all these things and I didn't want to have that be the story that I got to tell everybody after this is how I you know went with Lionel Sanders and rode with him magically for 20k but then couldn't finish the race you know so when he came by I just kind of put my head down didn't look and it wasn't it wasn't with a whoosh of wind. He didn't go by that fast, and I, I could have gone with it. I'm and like I said, for maybe twenty k, but I think I would have paid for it on the run. And um, the kind of the same thing with Jan. I rode with Jan for, or I could still see him. I think after fifteen 
to to 18 miles or something like that. Um, but I just had to keep reminding myself, you know, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, like just be cool. This is your first one. And when the the group ultimately caught me that had Tim Reed and uh, Rudy Von Berg and guy's last name is Franklin. I don't know his first name. Uh, when they caught up to me, um, I knew that uh, Tim was, uh, you know, just kind of notorious for racing smart and even and everything. And Paulo had, uh, my coach had told me that. And so I was pretty relieved to see him. And uh, I kind of went to the back of that group as they had, you know, just overtaken me and sat in and watched the whole process and made did a really good job. I think I sat at like 20 to 25 meters most of the time because I just was not going to get a drafting penalty. That was That would be very stupid. Um, and then in the last, you know, kind of, I think it was like 15 K or so I went back to the front and, and rode pretty hard into transition and, uh, we dropped that Franklin guy and, uh, came in with Tim and it was just, it was really cool because I think I got to see kind of all parts of the race, both the time that you spend all by yourself and you have to just let some people go. And I stuck to my, the wattage plan that I had set out and the goal that I had, and then some time trying to fit that goal into the dynamic of riding with a couple other people. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how it worked out. If you look at my power file, it's just like completely straight line, almost no drop off and, uh, and still was it within myself and able to run fast off of that. Oh, it's so cool. It's just racing your own, like race your race, race yeah. your race. So how does that work on the, the, your power on the hills? Like, cause there was that punchy hill, which was in the age yeah. group section. It was like, people were starting to get off their bike and walk. Yeah, it was kind of serious. That yeah. first one, that little one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the long ascent, but that yeah. first little punchy one, do you keep your power like in a realm or you just you're just trying to get up over the hill and then you recover on the way down yeah basically i just uh i kind of keep a speed limit in mind i know if i go over 450 watts that that's gonna be burning a match and that's gonna take it out of my legs i also try to stay seated as long as i possibly can so um that that's kind of like my hard rule and i i did that in alcatraz too the year that i won it i got dropped by several people on the bike up going up the hills and i was able to bring it back on the downhills but ran really well because i didn't have any of those mm-hmm. big spikes and that's honestly like in itu what takes it out of your legs more than it takes you takes it out of your legs in long course racing it's just that you have these uncontrolled 800 900 thousand watt spikes that just oh my God. They, that kills your legs more than just this very even dosed out effort in your control wow that's beautiful okay beach bike bike how to go down because what you've been working on this year is the bike and getting stronger on the bike because you know getting stronger on the bike is going to allow you to run to your potential because we already know what your potential is on the run. It's awesome. Um, it's Kona material. So the bike, what was your strategy and how did it go down? <clears throat> My strategy was just to go hard. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I always re- conserve like energy and I'm always like, I want to set myself for a good run. I want to have a good run. But safe, now, safe. safe. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. safe. It's cushy. Um, but I already know that. Like, I know where I need to improve. I need to improve on the bike. That's it's it shows in my times. It's 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 where I lose spots, um, or at least maintain um, or maintain my position. I never get any further. Mm. So I've done a lot of work on the bike leading into. I mean, a lot of work. Like, and this is for Ironman prep. I've been putting 10, 13 hours a week just on the bike, um, in prep for for santa rosa but i wanted to just see what i could do out there and in, in oceanside 
and the first part of it, I mean, I just went from the start. I just was hammering more than my pace that I should have, but I just wanted to see if I could hang on. Yeah. I think you're really tight. Like you're testing your limits right now. Like these are experiments to see. That's what I'm getting. It's not like, you know, you can do the distance and you know, you can do certain times, but it's like, you're just pushing the limits, which I think for you and knowing you for so long, this is exactly what one of the reasons why you came here to this earth school <laughs> is to push your limits right. and not stay in that safe zone. Yeah. I've done it way too much. I think that, I think that's like a, we all do that in this sport though. And I think that that's a cool place to be in is to constantly turn the screw just a little bit and find out, uh, you know, you're, that's exciting because you might blow up. You might, you know, and therein you would, you know, end up in the classical definition of an adventure where shit hit the fan, things went wrong, you know, but if you're constantly playing it safe, I think that, like, you know, it gets a little boring. It's vanilla. Absolutely. It's way, and, it's you know, vanilla. I always go back to this, but I remember Nicole DeBoom a million years ago said to you, um, PJ, you got to be willing to blow up. Like, you got to be okay with the fact that you might blow up. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Like, she told you that a long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah, it stuck with me, but mm-hmm. I, I never really tuned into it until... Yeah. Most recent, like past two or three well, years. Well, I think you tuned into it and like you just keep bringing it yeah. with you um, to the level. So, um, yeah. So how are you feeling? And, and so with you pushing it, with you pushing it now and like, you know, kind of disregarding the power and, you know, your strategy, just your strategy being to go hard, what's going on in the mind? The mind, the mind kept coming back saying like, hold back, mm-hmm. hold back. Just conserve a little bit here. You come up to a hill, like, like hold back. It kept showing up. And so I was able to notice it like every time it came up and every time it came up, I just pushed and it, it, it would, it was relentless. It was coming back like every few minutes actually just to ease up and then, okay. No, go. I was going to say, and then finally the hills got the better of me. And then I started to get that, uh, the sensation in my lower back and that I had, um, in the 2015 season, um, which, uh, just I can't sit in arrow anymore. Like all of a sudden, I have no power in my left glute. Um, the activation is gone, so I have to sit up. I have to stand up. I just have to do everything possible to keep moving, and it eventually will dissipate, and I'm able to to push on. But there was a big stretch there where my power just fell off, mm. um, and and I was okay with that. What I did this time though was just I relentlessly pushed through. Like it's just a sensation. Like it's not that painful. Just keep going, keep going. Even though my butt's numb, I can't feel anything. Like just keep going. And and so, I think it actually felt better when we were returning. I had like four or five miles left. It was okay. And it probably would have been so much worse if you just kept putting lighter fluid on that fire. You know, yeah. Like if I kept sending my thoughts, buying there. into yeah, those right, thoughts. Right. Um, explain the whole. I I love uh, on Friday morning we did a mindfulness for athletes talk over at Endurance House, and uh, it was really cool. I love the way that you described like the pistons. Oh yeah. I like yeah. that. Share it. So. <laughs> It's no, awesome. it's just yeah, it's it's my relationship to the bike now. You you've seen the first Iron Man movie with um, the not, superhero not movie. Not Iron Man, the swim bike run. Oh yeah, brand. Iron yeah, Man, yeah. Iron Man, Tony Stark. Guy. Yes, Tony Stark, right. Okay. So they're building that first Iron Man suit, and he's got to before he breaks out of the cave in the beginning, he's got to power up on the computer. So when I'm on the bike, I feel like those are the pistons for me, like powering up my running legs. Mm-hmm. So I just think every time I'm putting a hard pedal stroke down, it's just getting me ready for the run. Versus fearing how much power I'm putting in and deflating on the run or losing it on the run. Yeah. I just envision 
you know, Tony Stark, he's in the suit waiting and the guy, his buddy there is like powering up the computer and you just see those bars raising up. So I feel that I was just like pushing, 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 fueling up my, my running legs. And it's, it's, it's an unwavering faith that it's going to happen. I have no proof that it's going to happen, but we're just going to see. And so in my mind, that's, that's how I associate that sensation on the legs when you're just like, you're pushing up the hill. And when I was going up that first punchy hill, I was standing, sitting, standing, sitting. I was just doing everything I could to get up. Uh, when normally I would just sit and cruise and just sort of ease my way up. I just, I felt compelled to, to push it. Well, I think what you're doing is, is like you're rewiring your brain to, uh, into this new neural pathway that sensation in your legs doesn't mean bad. Like it can be, it can mm-hmm. just mean it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're taking it to the other side of it and creating this belief system that it's actually making you stronger. And we know the power of the mind is everything. So I like it. I, f- I freaking love it. I, I think that that just speaks so much to the power of visualization, too. And I've I've all had similar processes like that throughout my athletic career of of, you know, visualizing that, yeah, my legs were the pistons in a car or that, you know, like I'm thinking of uh, like a, a freight train or something. And when they're starting up and they just like that, like things like that, that just kind of like make me feel powerful or relate, you know, the, the movements that I'm making to, um, you know, something that I conceive to be powerful or perceive to be powerful. And I think you can just, you can do so much like thinking in that way. Yeah. Like when your legs are starting to have that feeling it's like, Oh, this is what power feels like. This is, you know, versus, Oh, this is what almost blowing up feels like. Yeah. Because because when you're pushing, Incredible. so you're you're out there pushing. It's not like you're cruising. It's not like oh I'm totally fit. This is great. Like my legs feel awesome. Like I feel nothing. Right? There's right. Some, you feel it's you have these so, right. It's uncomfortable, but you yeah. but you've been doing it, so you have this mm-hmm. relationship with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I you know something like I I had this big kind of mental shift coming into this race as you know two days out from the race. Um, I was kind of just. A little bit stressed and anxious about it and kind of going like why am i like why am i doing this at all like why am i doing triathlon this just feels like i'm stressed about this like i'm i'm not enjoying this whole process like and i'll just preface this by like i suck at taper week i hate taper week i'm i think i have add or something i just get i get crazy and not happy but before the last couple of races i've kind of felt this way like am i even doing the right thing i don't feel like i'm excited about this at all and then i just kind of i realized you know what like what motivates me with a lot of my training and just the way that I live my life is I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. And like, I love that. Like the only way to get that in our sport is to be in that moment of doing something new. Not sure if you're going to blow up, not sure, you know, racing somebody you haven't raced before. And I realized that I can't get that in training hardly ever. Just do so much training. It's so normal. It's so controlled. It's so regular that you just don't end up in that situation. I was thinking, you know what, this is like, this is my chance to get my fix is when I'm going into this race and here I am kind of dreading it, but like really I'm just in the crappy time right now before getting that fix and it's going to be so good when it comes because I don't know what's going to happen in this race. I don't know if I'm going to blow up. I'm just going to go out there and this is the time to like really enjoy the thing that brings me the most joy in life and being on the limit. Yeah, and those are the peaks and valleys. Like it doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter who you are. It, you're going to have those peaks and valleys. So taper is a valley for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then racing is a peak. And so those are still going to come. 
those are still going to come. Yeah. They're not just going to come in triathlon. They're going to come all the time in all these different directions in life. And it's how the mastery comes in, like how you're navigating those. And one of the great things that you did, which is what a lot of people don't do, is that you questioned it. You were like, wait a minute. What, like, look at these thoughts. So you get this gap between these thoughts that you're having and these feelings and emotions that are going along with it and you being like, hold on a second. Like, mm-hmm. what is that all about? And that doesn't mean that those are going to go away, but no. you're getting curious about that, right? And it's like, it's how we, it's what, our, it's what our relationship is to these peaks and these valleys, you know? And, uh, and so that's how we, to be awake and it seemed like you were in such an alert state you know, race morning for sure, and even leading up in that taper, to be able to start to see yeah. like these things that most most people are just caught up in and they can't see. Yeah. Um, but questioning and just getting curious about it, regardless of what comes of that, is massive. Like that's huge awareness. It's awesome. All right, let's jump into the run. I saw you, I had the gift of seeing you on the run and because uh, I was coming back from my run. Oh, you make it sound so good. It was so good. It was like, oh, yeah, you, you were just were like form and- so fluid. And um, so I was kind of, run- I was down like towards the end and running, like trying to get some kind of workout and I'd get like 0.8 miles and I'd be like, pause. Um, because I kept wanting to see you guys go by and uh, yeah, just super smooth. And then um, I saw like Claire and Chelsea and those girls and they all had yeah, signs. Yeah, all my teammates. Yeah. yeah, so I was, um, it was so nice. Claire came over and introduced herself. I hadn't met her before. And so I went over and was hanging with them and uh, we get to see you go by. And uh, so I saw you a couple times and it was this, you were like 50 seconds back from Tim Damn. at that point and you guys yeah. were going up the hill you were in you were definitely within the last 5k but we were just watching you go up the hill and i was like oh my god he looks so good and i was like wait a minute you guys see him race more than i do like does he look good because that looks good and they were like yeah he looks good um but you were just so you were so smooth and you were so focused and so how was that all playing out um the race that was going on inside of you of course that none of us can experience but you yeah um i i, I did feel good it was a good run for me uh, largely, you know, because of how patient I was on the bike and didn't you know, go try to be a hero or anything. Um, but I wanted to finish that race well and, and pace myself well and brought a watch along and everything. But um, it was a great feeling because I've been putting in so much work over the past year and specifically this past winter on the leg problems I've had. And, you know, like listening to your, you talk about your glute going numb and everything, BJ. Um, that's exactly what I've experienced for the past several years and many times in races that just can't feel my left leg. It just feels completely useless. I'm getting dropped from the group and it's just like, what's going on? Nothing's responding. And then I go out on the run and it just, it's like running with a stump. Like it's there, but it's not propelling me forward at all. My right leg's doing all the work and feeling it completely uncoordinated. And I've just, I've gotten really on top of it and kind of figured out the solution like with core strength and stretching and everything over the over the season or this off season and um i don't know it just felt like it really all paid off on saturday to where i was in i was in a space in a, in a speed that was i was able to hold my form together it wasn't frantic it was efficient like my legs were doing exactly what i wanted them to and and yeah it felt it was smooth so 
it was it was i mean it was it was very fun run it hurt a lot obviously but it didn't hurt because of some weird thing going on with my body that i couldn't explain or or help it was just because it was just the sensation of the yeah the effort you were putting out so where is your where's your mind how do you stay focused uh, when you're in that when you're how do you keep how do you keep pushing when you're in that hurt yeah for for me i guess i that was my super long way of getting around to that i i like to think about my form and a lot you know my my coach you know probably doesn't doesn't like that and you know he's he's always said that thinking about running or, or or whatever is is slow running if you're having to think about it but it's i don't necessarily sit there and think pick up your left leg, you know, put your right leg down. It's, it's more like I kind of in training have locked onto a couple of sensations of, of bouncing or whatever. And a couple of like, kind of almost like we were talking about with the visualization and stuff to where I know what it's supposed to feel like when I'm efficient, I'm quick and, and, and I focus on you know, like maintaining that. And, and when I, when I do it and I hit it, it's just, it, I get, I get completely lost in it. Oh, that's flow baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly, and like I said, that's that's what I was after. That's what I went into the race looking for. That was going to be my my drug and my and my uh, you know like outlet from all the months of training and the, going through the taper process of finally being able to get into that state and just feel it. And you know, I pay attention to the pace so I don't get out of control, more of a speed limit than anything. Um, but yeah, kind yeah, of let was... my let the feeling be my guide, I guess. So your bike, you said your bike was pretty, your watts were pretty stable. What was it like on the run? Were you, were your, was your pace pretty stable throughout yeah. the whole whole race? Yeah, yeah very, very stable. Uh, I think I, I dropped off a little bit in the last 5K maybe um, just because the bottom of my feet were hurting so bad. The from, concrete, yeah. The concrete. I, I mean, I literally thought the entire bottom of my foot was a blister and I was just trying to, you know, I'm racing in another two weeks and when I kind of decided I wasn't going to be able to catch Tim, I backed off just a little bit because like it was it was agonizing every time I go around a corner go up and down or anything so yeah yeah because he what was funny because when you were going up the hill I was like oh he looks really good and Claire was like yeah he looks he looks really good yeah that's good and she's like but I'm not gonna lie Tim looked really good too (laughs) he is such he is such a good runner he's incredible (laughs) that guy I'm 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 so impressed because um we came out of transition and I, I didn't like think I was gonna have an issue at least running some of it with him and he just he took off so fast it just made a move straight out of transition so i mean i was running probably 315 per k which is a little faster than i wanted to for the whole race i think i my my goal was to average 320 i think i averaged 328 or something like that um which is well the hills those crazy some, turns at oceanside and ups and downs yeah. so it's it's fast but it's not like just pancake perfect or anything no i think there's a lot of hurt on that course there's a lot of steep quick little climbs Mm -hmm. um you know quick sharp turns i'm not even sure climb is like an appropriate it's like doing it's like 20 percent it's like super steep might as well be doing stairs yeah up and down yeah yeah it's not not like just oh a hill (laughs) no (laughs) it's not like we need to get to up there is where we're going (laughs) Yeah, like the direct route to <laughs> yeah. go straight up. Yeah, yeah, it looked pretty. It was pretty brutal. Uh, I didn't, you know, and I, I run over there, and I'm really familiar with that mm-hmm. area. But I, when I was really looking at the maze, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it's kind of. 
oh, I kind of like that, you know, like that's as an cool. athlete. The energy like, on the course kind of is super awesome. Unlike There's it. people there the Amazing. whole way. Yeah, that was just, yeah. in, uh, you know, intoxicating. Like the how in, intense all the volunteers and the people watching and everything was, you know, just every 50 feet it was somebody calling out your name or just making you feel like a rock star. It was I mean, such a cool, cool Yeah, scene. that is one thing Iron Man does is, you know, it – brings the crowd and the energy and and it's just there's something about that that's so incredibly powerful um so how did that red carpet feel i mean it was it was a relief that's for sure <laughs> i i think I, like i said i paced it pretty well and even going out onto the second lap of the run i was thinking i was going to catch tim i was you know i'm going to put in a move here i'm going to get going and uh you know i i put in my move and thought i was going to be running really fast and looked down at my watch and i was running the same pace Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the second half of the run went. Like way more effort, same pace, got really, really hard. And um, so getting to the red carpet was was quite a relief. And this is kind of a funny story just because you said red carpet. I, I posted on Facebook, you know, swapping out the the blue carpet for the red carpet. Oh, yeah. And the blue carpet, you know, you guys both know ITU is just like this iconic thing that uh, that is in the transition zone and the finish line of an ITU race. And, and somebody commented on it, uh, what's the blue carpet? And I was, I was blown, a little bit blown away that someone who is paying attention to me or commenting on my post would have no idea what the blue carpet is when it's you know such a big deal. And I, at least in my mind, it was. And and that was, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that sort of reflection on ITU versus the you know versus Iron Man in terms of um, public, the public eye on mm. pro racing. So anyway, yeah, the red carpet felt good. Uh, BJ, how was your run? So you're you're coming so you're coming off the bike and the left leg is by the way we have our dinner conversation we're going to talk about that dead leg and how you got life back into it. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're coming off the dead leg bike um, and how is your run? Cuz I saw you coming I saw you probably in the first couple of miles and you were coming up this hill and you kind of just gave me like the head tilt with the tongue hanging out and I was like I'm not buying into any of that right not no I'm not buying into that like you keep going you keep pushing yeah how did it how did it feel it didn't feel good to start <laughs> at all I didn't have the the energy from those pistons uh <clears throat> but I just kept going I just kept pushing I was I was the same thing like actually like a few miles in um Eric my feet bottoms of my feet were already fired up like yeah. i couldn't feel my left foot and then the bottoms of it felt like big blisters too yeah like it must have been the concrete um just hot right like they're just like on fire yeah yeah like friction or something yeah there's yeah. no give Ooh, and, i don't miss that but i, I was pushed i was trying to go as, as hard as i could you know right from the start i didn't want to hold anything back and i don't as you Listeners know I don't normally wear a watch when I run, but I did have one here because I just wanted to see paces and and I just it just messes with my mind. Um, but when I looked down after that first mile, I saw it was like seven fifteen, and then after that it was like seven thirty, and I was like, this is not going in the direction I need it to go. So I just I I have control, so I don't look at my watch. Like I can, I didn't look at my watch for the last eleven miles. Um, I just was giving it. Uh, the best effort I could and, and I had dropped my salt tablets and usually they have base salt like mm. there's the base salt tent um, at Ironman races like they're just crazy people like they have like booming music and they always have free salt and I was just relying on that and so every aid station I would go to I was like do you guys have salt and everyone was like we have pretzels I was like no no 
I can't do pretzels. You could have licked the pretzels. I could have licked the pretzels, but I didn't want to stop, right? Because my thing is I, I stop every aid station or so and I'm like drinking. I just want to keep going. So I took Coke right from the start. Because, and you forgot to say that you threw up twice on the bike. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> you kind of had a rough race. I think, I think the salt, <laughs> salt water really mm. got with me. Oh. I threw up my bars on my Garmin. And well, my you had salt eyes. then, so. Right. Couldn't be a salt. You threw up your salt. So I guess I didn't need salt. So how did the Coke, so you went to Coke right from the start. I went to Coke right from the start, and then I had a gel at like six miles, and I really don't need much on the run, but I, I just didn't have that, I just didn't have that quick turnover. I was trying to do the quick turnover. You know how you get into like a, a rhythm, and then you realize you're just like, you're plodding along and there's like there's definitely a quicker cadence that you can keep yeah i would push myself into that quicker cadence to see how long i could keep it um but mine was focused mine was good um I, although i kept looking at other people and I, I kept bringing myself back like why am i looking at other racers to see if i know them it means nothing <laughs> i've got a race to do here but uh but yeah it wasn't my fastest run but i definitely um I definitely hung in because there were a few times I just wanted to stop. I just wanted to stop at the aid station, just like, you know, hang over for a minute, which I have been known to do at Ironman. Just maybe it's too hot or something. I'll just stop at an aid station, bend over and just catch my breath there. But I just wanted to keep moving. So the whole thing was just to keep moving. And then I, something happened around seven or eight and I was able to just pick it up and maintain that pace. Um, and then in the mindset, it's like, okay, now, now I'm starting to kick in. Now it's starting to get better. And you start passing people, like which that's, so goes to show that you're ready for an Ironman. Yeah, like that, you're kicking in at mile eight. Yeah, and not that the the pace was showing that, but my effort was a little bit more. You looked it better. Felt better. Yeah. You looked so much better on the second loop. Like yeah. I was like, okay, there he is. Like yeah. you looked so much better. That could have been the coke coming in. But I think that um, you're so you're such an amazing athlete, BJ. Because, I mean, when you described your day, like the you know the the dead leg and the throwing up and the not having the salt or not having any of that on the court. Like you, none of that got you down. And I, mm -mm. and it's so amazing. Like this is like you had, if you looked at this race, like you had, you had the peak of like, you love to race, but then the whole time you were in the Valley, but you just kept pushing. And I think that that's, that just makes you such an amazing athlete. And you always are looking at like just moving forward and not getting caught up on, you know, or fight or being or like the excuses of like, oh, it wasn't a good day because of this, this and this. Right. You're like, it was a great day. Like, and so this kind of leads into my last question is what did you learn from from your experience on Saturday? I uh, and, and like and how is that going to help you moving forward? It's it really comes in this is. I don't know if it's cliche, but it really comes down to your mindset and whether you believe you can or believe you can't, they're both true. So I choose to believe I can. And in those instances where we were doing those hill, like the hills and then the pier, because that pier, when you came up on that pier and then you had to turn around and go even up because it was a false flat up to the top there to that Red Bull tent uh, arch, like there were a lot of people who got to the top of that and then were like slowing down because yeah. they just want to recover. But I, I really purposely remember in that moment of pushing forward, like even though I'm out of breath, I'm going to push through this stretch here under the Red Bull tent because I know we're going to be going down that other side. 
Um, I'm getting chills here because I just I clearly remember that moment, and it was a it's a sh it's a mindset shift. It's a shift of of not stopping, of not relenting, of not recovering because there's still much more work to do. And so what I took away from it is like I can do that, and I can do that more. Like there's many examples of that on the bike, on the swim bike and run where I need to push myself more. And it just, it just proved to me that I have it in me. Sometimes you need to see a little sign, maybe a little something. I think unwavering faith and belief is huge and it's something I work on a lot um, because I think we all have doubt on a, on a, on a little level, on, a, on our each level. But when you can actually see a little something where you've made, a, made some progress, like I'm putting that in my back pocket and I'm taking it with me. To my next race that's so badass babe i love that it's <laughs> so cool it's pretty cool yeah dude eric what did you learn um what are you taking away from this i i i mean i really think the biggest thing that i took away from it was the pre-race realization that i was telling you about about mm. how the racing is like the best part of my job and you know it doesn't have to be the most stressful it's like actually the only point where i have access to this you know special feeling and this special space that i can get into that is just so rare to come by in a workout and then <clears throat> seeing that um seeing that mindset actually bring me success with you know uh, i don't just say success because it I didn't do what typically happens in people's first Ironman and, and blow up massively or like, you know, screw up my nutrition or, or, or anything. And this is, you know, could be one of the more stressful, potentially more stressful situations I would ever find myself in doing a completely new event against the strongest competition. And, um, and it, it went incredibly smoothly. So I'm going to take that to my next race. Oh my God. It was, so, it, we we're so psyched for you. It was really, really cool. So what's next? What's the next race? Um, in uh, two weekends, um, not this weekend, but the next one, I'll be racing in Huntington Beach, the oh, nice. Escape Series, because I got to qualify for Alcatraz, cool. um, another local one, so that'll be fun. And then immediately after that, next week after that, I'll go to St. Anthony's to do the St. Anthony's Triathlon, which is just kind of one of the I don't know classics of totally. our sport. It's been there for years and years and years, and I still have not been able to win it, so I have to keep going back. That's Olympic distance. It's Olympic distance, yeah. and I don't go back just because I want to win it. the The community there is incredible. The homestays are incredible. Everybody is just it's the, it's like one of the best community type races I've ever been to. So that's so cool. Yeah. What's next for you, Beach? Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. Five mm. less than five weeks. Nice. Full Ironman, huh? Full Ironman. The whole one. Yeah. The big triathlon. It's the whole yeah. shebang. <sighs> yeah. That's your distance. It, I like it. Yeah. I'm fired up for it's it. It's really special. Yeah. There's something really cool about I that. I love the whole day. Everything from waking up, the race, and then going back and watching the midnight finish. Oh, the midnight finish And then not being the able best. to sleep, and then eating a ton the next day. <laughs> and guacamole and chips. <laughs> We've been on like a chip hiatus. We were going to eat so many freaking chips. Oh, man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine because I've been feeling like I needed to eat everything in sight, and I only did <laughs> half the, the whole thing. So All right, we'll can't see. imagine. Speaking of eating everything in sight, Let's we're about to dive into some amazing high vibe food. So um, thank you guys. So Eric, thank you so much yeah, for coming you, and oh, spending time pleasure. with us and sharing with this community. I mean, giving us the insight into 
um, your experience as a professional triathlete at your first 70.3s, it's so special. So thank you, thank you. We are so grateful to you. We love you. <laughs> so glad to have you in our home. And BJ, you're so badass. Just keep going, man, because you know you've got it in you. And there's a huge community behind you who know that. And, um, and there's going to be a big celebration when that goal gets reached. You bet. Yeah. Eric, how can people follow you? Like, let's, how can they check out your videos? Oh, yeah. They... Um, so I'll just go down the list, I guess. Like Instagram, I'm definitely trying to do a good job with that. I've been getting pretty into the Instagram stories thing because you can actually tell. A little, I like to tell a story with it. I don't like to just be the snapshot because I think a lot of... Uh, I think a lot of social media these days is just like, oh, here's what I was doing in this moment. Here's what I was doing in this exact second. But there's not a lot of storytelling. So I like oh that. God, about, that's me. Yeah. I'm just like, how many greens can I put in my thing? And then that's it. You don't hear <laughs> from me. And then the next again. thing is your dog. And then the yeah. next thing is like a parking <laughs> oh garage. Oh my God, that's totally me. So so there's that. And then um, obviously you have video. So follow me on YouTube because um, that's like the absolute best way to tell a longer form story. Um, I do have a website called transition4.tv where I put all of my triathlon stuff and I even have some guest content on there and other athletes. So if you want to go binge watch triathlon stuff, I highly recommend binge watch it. It's awesome. It's rocking. I spent some hours me. on the trainer. Yeah, you've texted me before saying you're going through Viking Life episodes or whatever, which is awesome. It's such great content. Check it out, guys. Ooh.